Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a joy. What a joy. Amen. God's presence is here this morning. You believe that? I want you to open up in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Uh, my wife is not feeling well. We pray God's healing touch upon her. But she did text me and, and she said to me, she said, I don't know what it seems like there, but online, this is a great, uplifting, and exciting worship service. So we praise God. See how the value of online and live stream, and uh, my wife said that sincerely um, because she's laying in bed, not feeling well, but she's blessed by the ministry. Thank you, worship team, for such an awesome, awesome job this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Where's, where's Kelly? Kelly, can I, can I see your keys? I want to speak to you this morning about, um, thank you. I want to speak to you about keys to reigniting your prayer life. Keys to reigniting your prayer life. Uh, Kelly, did you, uh, I thought you had more keys than this. Um, he does. I mean, I was looking for the big ring with, with all of these keys. Uh, but, but I want to speak to you. You know, not every key opens every door. Right? There's certain keys that open certain doors. And I want to speak to you about keys to reigniting your prayer life. Throughout the Bible, God's people are committed without ceasing. The Bible says, pray always. James tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. Peter tells us, be serious and watchful in prayer. Jesus said it this way, men ought always to pray and never faint. We ought to pray when we're up and when we're down. We're to pray when things are going good and when things are going bad. We ought to pray in every season of life. When you have joy, when you have sorrow, when you have health, and when you're sick. When there's poverty, when there's prosperity, in sadness and in grief, no matter what, we are called to pray consistently, faithfully, and regularly. We are called to pray privately and to pray publicly. We are called to pray individually and in corporate gatherings. We are to pray long prayers, we're to pray short prayers. We're to pray sometimes with words and sometimes just in our heart praying to God. I believe every sincere Christian wants to pray, but not all act on this desire. Even mature believers go through seasons of weak praying. Now, when I say weak, it's W-E-A-K. Not a week. Believers, even myself, I have gone through seasons when my prayer life has been weak. Sometimes we can find it difficult, wearisome, and we can even lose interest. I believe many of you this morning, many of you this morning, you love Jesus. Amen? You love Jesus. You have a desire to pray, but you are not consistent in your prayer life. But I want to help you this morning. I want to help you today with a few thoughts. Turn to the person next to you and say, Pastor Richard wants to help you. I want to encourage you. 
I want to help you. I want to give you some inspiration. I want to give you some keys to reignite your prayer life. Prayer is a privilege. Thank you for your weak amen. amen. I said prayer is a privilege. Let me read something to you that I came across in one of my files. Prayer is drawing near to God, calling on the name of the Lord, seeking his face to receive his blessings, offering thanksgiving for the riches of his grace. It is lifting our hearts to make our requests known to him, hungering for God and feasting on the heavenly manner, thirsting after him and drinking of the fountain flowing from his throne. Prayer is the power which opens the gates of paradise, the energy which moves the Lord to act on behalf of men. Prayer is the hand which grasps the gift God offers. It is a lifeline to him, a channel for the transmission of divine power, a flowing fountain of divine compassion, a golden pipe through which the healing balm of Gilead flows. It is an outlet for trouble and an inlet for comfort and help. Prayer is the means God has appointed for the fulfilling of his promises, the secret of his intervention in, the human, in human affairs, the groaning of the Holy Spirit in the soul. Prayer is the kindling of desire after God in the human spirit. It is a spiritual unction working mightily within us, a vital energy for the pulling down of enemy strongholds. Prayer is built into the constitution of the universe. When God is about to bestow his blessings, he stirs up the hearts of his people to pray for them. Prayer is the true secret of revival. I want to give you a few keys to help you reignite your prayer life. Number one, learn to pray confidently. Learn to pray confidently. Would you turn with me to Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read a few verses of scripture. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That phrase in, in another translation or, or something that helps to communicate it a little better where it says, let us therefore come boldly. It means let us come confidently. Let us come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we come with confidence to God in prayer because we know that God is our heavenly father. We know that God loves us and he desires to spend time with us. Do you realize that this morning that God created you, God created me to have divine fellowship with us, to have intimacy with us, for us to know him and for us, him to know us in an intimate way. And through prayer, it, we develop that intimacy. Just like any other human relationship, any relationship, you, could own, you only grow through contact, through connection, through sharing. We get 
get to know God through prayer. I have been praying for over 40 years as a Christian. I have gotten to know God better and better. And I realize even after all these years, I'm still scratching the surface. There is still more of God to know. And it's a wonderful journey. It's a wonderful experience to know God in prayer. You see, we as believers, in, we have a Savior who is, who is touched, the Bible says, with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Like sometimes other people can't fully identify or understand what we're going through. The Bible says he can sympathize with our weaknesses. You see, through Christ, his death, his blood provided access into the very presence of Almighty God. In the Old Testament, before Christ, to show, God would, would show in the Old Testament, he would reveal his holiness and he, would, and he would help the people begin to understand how they were to approach God. And see, we fast forward to today, thousands of years later, there's been a greater revelation, a greater understanding, and it's all been fulfilled in Jesus. But in the Old Testament, the high priest only once a year could go into the Holy of Holies, which was the very, where the very presence of God would dwell and manifest himself. Only once a year, one person could go into the Holy of Holies, and that with the blood of a sacrifice. That is known, and I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But Jesus Christ, the Bible says, went into the very presence of God with, the, with his own blood, and he provided a way for you and I now to go, go into God's holy presence. What an awesome opportunity. If you were asked to go into the presence of a, of a president or a king or a queen or a famous athlete or a, or a Hollywood movie star, you would be excited. But we have to realize God has given us a privilege to go into his presence through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more? Shall we, through the blood of Christ, who offered himself without spot to God, have our consciences cleansed from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. So you and I, through Christ, have access. That gives us confidence once we know that we have a loving Heavenly Father who has great compassion on us. Years ago... Um, I was a part of the planning committee that brought in uh, Awake America into the Civic Center, which was called the Dunkin' Donuts Center, which is now called Amica Center, I think. Has a change in names. But you know that building next to the Providence Mall, that, that building. It was a part of this committee that brought in Awake America. This was a great uh, uh, group of people people who came in, ministers of the gospel. There was thousands of people there. And because I was a part of the committee, I had a nice little badge. It wasn't those paper ones. It was real nice. It was a metal one. And it says, Executive Committee. Now, that badge gave me access to back rooms, gave me access to the platform, gave me access to the room that had some nice snacks in it. Because I had that badge, I had access. And you see, you and I, because of Jesus, we have access. 
We have access into the presence of God. We have access into the riches of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have not been bought with, with, with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus. The Bible says we are not no longer a, a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Bible says that we are ears of God and joint ears with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So that means whatever you have need of, whatever your temptation is, whatever your struggle is, whatever the mountain is in your life, whatever the barrier is, God has provided a grace, he has provided a blessing, he has provided a means for you to get through it or to get over it. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You need to know who your heavenly father is. You need to know who you are. That gives you confidence. You are accepted. You belong in the presence of God through Jesus. You see, my, my children, when they were young, uh, in, in the other building, we were in, on Admiral Street, I had a, a side drawer that had candy in it. And my children, they learn fast. Kids are smart. It don't take them but one or two times to know where the goods are. And, and they would come in, and sometimes I'd be meeting with somebody. Uh, it didn't matter who I was meeting with. It could have been a pastor. It could have been an official. It could have been anyone. But, but you know what? To them, they didn't care. They just would barge in my door, and they'd go right for the drawer. Why? Because I was their father. I wasn't the pastor. I was their father. They had access because I was their father. And you know what? They would come in with confidence. They would come in with boldness because of that candy drawer. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I still have a candy drawer. I have it all for myself. Number two, another key. Learn to pray sincerely. Come on, we need to learn to pray with confidence. Number two, we need to learn to pray sincerely. What I mean by this is simply be real. Be yourself. In your relationship with God, do not try to be like someone else. Do not try to pray like someone else. Just be real. Be authentic. Be yourself. See, sometimes what hinders people from praying is they think they've got to pray in King James language. They need to pray like someone they heard at church that, that seems to pray eloquently. You see, if I'm trying to, to woo my wife, uh, I don't get out a book on Shakespeare and begin to quote Shakespeare. That's not me. I just tell her I love you. Amen? And you see, we have to be real because you can't fool God. Not only that, you can't impress God. And again, you can't be dishonest with God. David in the Psalms showed us how real he was. You know, the Bible says he would just cry out, Help, Lord! You don't have to be eloquent. Sometimes you just need to cry, help, Lord. I'm sinking in the mire, David said. I'm sinking in my own, the mess of my own making. Lord, help me. Peter knew that in, in the Gospels when he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. But the Bible says he began to sink when he got his eyes on the wind and the waves and all the circumstances of life. And you and I, we could sometimes begin to walk on the water. Sometimes we begin to overcome and, and have a breakthrough and good things are happening. But then all of a sudden, a bad day, all of a sudden, a confluence of all circumstances come against us and we begin to sink. All we need to do is cry out, help, Lord. 
Just be real. It doesn't have to be eloquent. Just be real. Help, Lord. Learn to pray sincerely. This also means that we deal with sin in our life. Disobedience. Rebellion. Commands of God we have broken. I'm going to be careful not to mention some of them because then you're going to think someone told me about you. But I think the Holy Spirit can reveal some things to you. You see, as, a, as Christians, we are not sinless. There was only one who was sinless, and that was Jesus Christ. He was tempted like we, yet without sin. We are not sinless, but as Christians, we should sin less. Did you get that nuance? We don't, we're not sinless but we should be growing in sanctification. We do still fail. We still do fall short, but we should be overcoming. Amen? Amen. Someone once said we might fall short, but we're not to live short. The Bible says when we do fail, when we fall short. Well, let me back up a little. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. Turn to the person next to you with an attitude and say, if you say you have no sin, you lie. Come on, that's what the Bible says. Come on, we're good at pointing out other people's sins. We're good at pointing out public officials' sins. We're good at pointing out other people's sins. But we got to realize sometimes it's me, O oh Lord. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If we say we have no sins, we lie. But I'm glad the scriptures don't end there. The next verse says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Thank God for his word. Jesus taught us in, the, in model prayer, the Lord's prayer. I love the Our Father. You know, we... Sometimes in the body of Christ, in Christianity, we have a reaction to certain things. Because in some places, the Our Father became a rote prayer that people just said mindlessly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. You know, we go through it, and we say it so many times, but, but I want you to understand something. It was a model prayer. It was a prayer that could revolutionize our life. I pray it many times. I go through it, and I don't just repeat it. I go phrase by phrase. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave a model prayer. But one of that is so powerful. He said this. He said, in that model prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive me, Lord. As I forgive others. Do you know nothing as a child of God will keep you out of heaven? Because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. But you know, you know what will keep you out of heaven? Some Christians, they're in a bad place. Think about it. Forgive me, Lord. We're praying. Forgive me, Lord, as or to the degree or like I forgive others. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need to have an altar call right now. 
We need to pray, God, forgive me for all my bitterness, my hatred, my unforgiveness. When I pray that, you know what it does to me? God, please, Lord, I release that person. God, that person I have an attitude towards. You know, you're looking at me, Pastor. Come on, just look at yourself right now. You got enough to look at. God, forgive me. I need your forgiveness. But, but in, in relation to how I forgive other people, I have never seen so many church people being bitter and unforgiving and hatred, hatred towards other people. You see, when, when, when I hurt people or when I offend people, you're looking at me like, does the pastor hurt people and offend people? Yes, I do. I'm human. But I gotta say, God, and I gotta ask people to forgive me. It's very interesting. I won't get into it, but <laughs> people can do all kinds of stuff in the church, and I'll forgive them. I do one thing, people are out the door. But that's that's for another sermon. I don't want to get into it, but it's just amazing how people I could have grace for so many people, forgive them. They could slam the door, they can go out, throw, throw chair, I forgive them. I don't say hi, they get offended, but they don't forgive. But I'm not gonna get into that because I'm trying to preach a sermon right now. I've offended people and I said, I'm sorry. I said I was wrong and I've asked for their forgiveness. But some Christians never let it go. And they tell other people. Some people, I wish they were good, as good as, as they are at gossiping as they are sharing the gospel. Woo! We'd have some, we'd have revival. Come on, it's getting quiet. The quieter it gets, I'm coming to you. Don't try to hide. I can see. I got good eyes. Hello? Amen? Forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others. So God, Jesus is saying, to the degree that you forgive others, I'm going to forgive you. So that means if you're not forgiving others, God's not going to forgive you. Imagine, God will forgive every and any sin, but he won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Is that in the Bible or am I making that up? Turn to the person next to you and, and go, go frozen on them and say, let it go, let it go. Some of you, that's Frozen, the kids that was popular years ago, that Disney, let it go. Somebody ought to break out. And <laughs> let it go. Come on, what a victory we would have. It takes a lot more energy to hold on to bitterness. Doesn't it? A whole lot more energy to hold on to bitterness. And I've seen some people, man, they're the sweetest people, but you cross them. I'm telling you, those sweet little church sisters who shout and dance, you cross them. You know, they're, they're, they're worse than the mafia. I'm telling you, they got Sicilian blood in them. Woo! Pastors being racist. I'm Sicilian. Just chill out, everybody. Chill out. They go gangster on you. In the house of God. Man, if we had more forgiveness, we'd have more revival. If we had more grace. Some people still talking about what somebody did to them 20 years ago. 30 years ago. Still talking about it. Let it go. Now some of you get mad at me saying, why did you tell the pastor about this? <laughs> Just human nature. Nobody told me anything. All right, through, let me get through this. I'm almost done. Number three, learn to pray thankfully. Amen. Amen. 
Learn to pray thankfully. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard and keep your hearts and your minds through Christ. Be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for nothing. Be full of care for no thing. But in everything, by prayer and grumbling, by prayer and complaining, by prayer and gossiping, by prayer and thanksgiving. Thanking God in prayer is a twofold acknowledgement. When you thank God in prayer, when I thank God in prayer, you know what I'm doing? It's an attitude that looks back at all that God has done in my life with gratitude. You see, when I'm thanking God in prayer, I'm looking back and I'm saying, all that you brought me through, every blessing, every way you made where there was no way, every time you showed up and you walked in when others walked out, every time you blessed me, every time you touched me, every time, God, I'm grateful. I thank you, God. Now I'm facing another war, a barrier. I'm facing another Red Sea. But God, I thank you by faith you're going to bring me through. Have you ever asked someone to do you a favor and you knew their character and you knew they were faithful and you knew they would do it? What do you do in advance? Thank you. That's faith. That's faith in the person. Amen. Hallelujah. The same thing with God. When we ask God, we say, thank you, God. Why? Because we believe that he will do it. We believe his character. We believe his faithfulness. We believe the record that we see in the word of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm convicted of my ingratitude to God. I need to be more grateful. Would you say it with me? I need to be more grateful. Basically, two kinds of gratitude. There's two kinds of gratitudes. There's that spontaneous gratitude. That's, that's something I think we, we all have or we should have, and that's the, the natural reaction in life. That gratitude. But then there's another kind of gratitude. Listen, it's called learned. Learned gratitude. You see, it's something that we have to learn. It's something that doesn't necessarily come natural. Something we just got to practice. Gratefulness. Thanking people. Just being grateful to God grateful to others. This past week, my wife, she just asked someone to reach out to someone, to minister to them. All my wife was doing was just really asking them for a favor, just trying to facilitate ministry and help someone out. And you know what that person did? They texted them, her back yesterday and said, thank you for asking. What a privilege. Can I just give you a little texting etiquette? K is not good. <laughs> Add something to it. Say, yes, thank you. I'll be glad to. Hello? Does anybody hear me? I think some, some people, that's just their attitude coming through. Come on, when you're asked to do something, it's a privilege. Come on, when we, when we see the nursery workers, thank you. Imagine having to watch those little angels <laughs> climb the walls. Children's church, 
People serve and they get here early. Say thank you, even if you don't have kids. Thank you for serving God. Thank you for blessing our church. Thank you. That, see, see, that's a culture instead of negativity and seeing. My, my wife came up with a phrase, you know, be a, be a fruit. Uh, somebody help me with that one. Not, not a fruit inspector. Um, let's see if she's really listening to the message and see if I get a text. She's going to help me out. <laughs> Come on, Lisa. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> oh, I forgot it. I forgot it. All right, let's move on. It'll come to me. It'll come to someone. So we need to be taught to be grateful. The Psalms are what? They're prayers put to music. The Psalms are full of praise and gratitude. David would say, Lord, I thank you. I praise you, God. I'm grateful, Lord. Um, in, in, in the Mayo Clinic article, it claims that being thankful increases longevity. All right, let me go back. Be a treasure hunter, not a field inspector. Be a treasure hunter. In other words, look to find the good and don't be a field inspector. Don't always look for the negative. Okay, amen. Thank you, Pastor Lisa. Come on, we need to learn gratitude. But you know what? Let me give you a selfish reason. Being grateful is healthy. Amit Sud, a doctor at Mayo Clinic, a stress management and resilient expert tells, that, tells us that we can cultivate deeper gratitude by being thankful for the simple and ordinary, and it will help you become happier and more resilient. Amen. You want to increase your life expectancy? Life expectancy? Be more grateful. Put another way, God loves gratitude. He does not like ingratitude. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1, ingratitude is listed with the heinous sins of mankind. In Romans chapter 1, it says that they were not grateful. The ten lepers, Jesus took note that only one returned to give thanks. Ten were healed. Does that mean that only 10% of people are, are grateful? I don't know, but, but in that instance, only one returned. And Jesus made note of it and said, were there not ten healed? Where are the other nine? And my last thought, my last key to help you, learn to pray authoritatively. Learn to pray authoritatively. Jesus said in John 14, 13, said, if you ask in my name, do you realize that Jesus gave us the authority of his name to pray in? Come on now. You see, that's what Peter and John did on the way to church. At the hour of prayer, they saw a lame man, and they said to him, Such as I have, give I unto you. They said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have. You see, they didn't have resources in the natural, but they had power in the spirit. They had the power and the authority of Jesus' name. You see, a brother Pasquale, uh, he was a police officer he was a sergeant and if he ever said to me you could use my name if you get in a, tra a traffic ticket 
I think I did use his name, but not, not for a traffic ticket. No, I just told him I knew him. But imagine if he said, use my name. If I needed to, you bet I would. Jesus himself said to us, use my name. When we say the name, we're talking about the character. We're talking about the person. We're talking about the authority of that name. When you speak the name of Jesus, demons tremble. When you speak the name of Jesus, the enemy is pushed back. When you speak the name of Jesus, the atmosphere changes. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Use the name. Say the name. Declare the name. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that the name of Jesus is, is more powerful, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. When the devil comes, comes against you, you declare and you say the name of Jesus. That is powerful and that is authoritative. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? I will not fear. In conclusion, I want to awaken us. I want to awaken us. I want to see our prayer lives individually and corporately awaken out of any slumber. When I look back over history, there was a, a revivalist in the 1500s in Scotland. His name was John Knox. He was such a praying man that the Queen of Scotland said, I fear his prayers more than all the armies of England. His prayers were so powerful. How many of you know the same God he prayed to is the same God you can pray to? Martin Luther in the 1600s, not to be confused with Martin Luther King Jr. of the 2000s or the 1960s. Martin Luther was a great reformer of the church back in the 1600s. He said, I have so much to do today, I must spend three hours in prayer. I'm not telling you you have to spend three hours in prayer. But let's just say, can we all take it up a notch? Whatever you spend in prayer, let's increase it. Not, not just to look at the clock, but to understand we're developing intimacy with God. We're developing closeness with God. David Brennan in the 1700s, he was from Connecticut. He was from the Northeast. He had a, a vision. He was a missionary to reach Native Americans with the gospel. He would go out into the woods and pray. And, and one, one, one instance, he would be praying in the woods in the snow. And because of the intensity of his prayers, when he got up, the snow had melted around him. He prayed with such a passion, such a, a fire in his soul, even a heat in his body, that it melted the snow around him. In the Welsh Revi Wales Revival, in Europe, Evan Roberts would pray for hours, would seek God for revival. Let me tell you, revival doesn't just come because we have revival meetings. Revival doesn't just come because we have good services and people are attending. Revival comes because the people of God humble themselves, seek God's face, and pray with all their heart. David Wilkerson, and I close with this. David Wilkerson passed away about 
10 years or so ago, was a great man of God, a prophet of God, raised up a ministry called Teen Challenge that literally has hundreds of centers around America and hundreds around the world. A ministry that helps drug addicts and alcoholics recover from their addiction and learn to follow Jesus Christ. He also raised up a large church in Times Square. God used him to write books and God used him to speak to our nation about the sins and the ills of society with such a passion and such a fire. What a great man of God. Do you know that he was a small country preacher, a small church in a small community in, in Pennsylvania? And he, he, he just got to the point where he got so desperate with God, he was watching too much TV every night to go home and watch TV for a couple hours. He made a commitment to, he, 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 he took, made a vow to God, I'll sell my TV to give myself to prayer. And he did that. And the time he spent watching TV, he gave to prayer. And it was during those times of prayer that God, the Spirit of God began to move in his heart. He was in his study praying and he happened to pick up a magazine that, that showed these young boys in New York City in a Life magazine. It showed them on the cover that they had been arrested for brutally killing a disabled person in New York City in, 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 in Central Park. And he saw these boys and his heart gripped him and he saw the, the loneliness, the emptiness, the hatred. He saw all that in his eyes and, and through that God began to speak to him and God led him to New York City. He went there by himself in a car, slept in his car, began to walk the streets in the middle of the night, began to pray over the city of New York. And it was through that that God birthed the ministry of Teen Challenge that to this day has, has produced some of the greatest men, women, pastors, writers, leaders of ministries around the world. I'm not asking you to sell your TV, but maybe turn it off. I'm not asking you to go off social media, but at least put your phone down long enough to hear God's voice. I'm not asking you to stop playing video games. I'm just asking you to cut back to seek God. Some of you say, well, those are not my issues. You know, you know what your issues are. What can you cut back? We'll watch two, three football games today, have, but have a tough time praying two or three minutes. And, and please, texting prayers are good. Don't misunderstand me. Don't get offended now. But don't let that be the extent of your prayer. I pray for you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's nice. That's good. Don't stop doing that. But add some minutes behind those prayers. Are you still with me? Do you still love me? Yes. I saw some of you not say anything. <laughs> Come on, do you, wanna, do you, wanna, you, want, you want to reignite your prayer life? Amen. Would you stand together with me this morning? There are some things that you and I are going through that if we would spend more time with Jesus, we would receive more grace, more peace, more strength, and more joy. That's all I simply ask you, to spend time with the Lord. Let's reignite. Some of you, as I said in the introduction, you love Jesus, but you're, you're, you're having a tough time praying. You love Jesus, and you, you just don't have that focus. God wants to help you.
He wants to give you grace, but you've got a desire. You've got to tell him right now, God, help me to pray. God, give me, the gra- give me grace. Sometimes we've got to pray about prayer. <laughs> Sometimes I pray, Lord, help me to pray. Right. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your people this morning, God. God, if I in some small way could nudge someone through my words and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, if some small way people can become more prayerful, could be draw closer to you get to know you better it'll be worth it god god help us all god i am in this prayer with them god i am by no means an expert or someone who's so prayerful god i need more of your grace god help me to pray more lord help us to pray more god help this church to pray more God, we don't need better lighting. We don't need better sound. We don't need better instruments. We don't need all the things the the, the modern-day church so desperately works towards. We need your presence. We need your grace. We need you, God. And you said that if we would seek you with all of our hearts, we would find you. And you would reveal those good plans that you have. Plans to give us a future. Plans to give us a hope. Plans to prosper us. To do us good and not evil. God, I pray over the church this morning. Lord, I pray a blessing, God. I pray an anointing, God. Lord, that there would be a newness and a freshness and a reigniting of our prayer life here at Victory. God, touch every heart. Touch every life. God, bless the prayer efforts that we have already. God, add to them. Increase them. God, those that are faithful in prayer, God, give them more strength. Give them more grace. And Father, I pray for that one that might be, they they might consider they're the weakest in prayer. Maybe even a, a young person, a teenager. God, you love them and you desire intimacy with them. God, you know everything about them. They don't have to be someone they're not. They don't have to impress you. They don't have to cover anything. God, you see it all. We're all naked and bare before you. God, but you love us. And you provided a way for forgiveness. You provided a way into our presence. And you still encourage us. Even when we turn away, you say, draw near to me. I love you. God, reveal that by the power of your spirit. God, touch every life. God, bless the prayer life of each one and bless the prayer life of Victory Church. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. God bless you.